Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to Weird Distractions Podcast, a podcast where we tell you weird distracting stories of the true crime, paranormal, and conspiracy theories to provide you a distraction from your everyday life. (laughs) (laughs) I'm your host, Alex. And Christy. And this week we are back to paranormal, which is my jam. Um, and I've got a special little treat for all you weirdos, and yes, that's Christy included. Perfect. <laughs> um, and before we get into that, though, Christy, what are you trying to distract yourself from this week? Um, this week's distraction is I live in a nice apartment, but with no outside access, really. So I'm distracting from the fact that it's so nice outside and I can't go out there. I can't walk anywhere. I can't sit outside on anything. I don't know anything to sit outside on. So I'm just super <laughs> depressed that way. So I need a distraction. Just stuck inside. And it, it kind of, not to bring back the fact that we're all struggling with COVID-19. It's not like we can really go anywhere. To like yeah, the trails enjoy. are just finally trying to open a little bit. But even then, I'm like, I don't want to go because it's going to be so packed. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, there was, uh, I saw a picture on Facebook where there was literally, I shit you not, 40 cars lined up on a street to get into one of these provincial parks to go for like hikes and stuff fair enough i get it everyone wants to go go out everyone wants to enjoy the nice weather x y is said but i feel like this is going against why like what we're doing yeah, yeah. they're all gonna go out they're gonna be packed on the trails like sardines basically walking single file and have to like some people walk slow some people run the trail like exactly Paco. I feel like this is where having one of those hats with the um, pool noodles should be <laughs> on the like, market. Get the fuck away. <laughs> <laughs> Please buy one of our get the fuck away hats on sale now for $19.99. Act now and you can get a two pack. <laughs> so apologize. I, just <laughs> I was just going to say, I'm going to apologize in your behalf because we're drinking and <laughs> I got it's fine. Your shirt's already stained. It's okay. This is a crap shirt anyways. Actually, to mention that, I've got like a disgusting brown stain on my shirt from making a gosh darn whipped coffee this morning. And I've got two! Oh, my oh those special? What are they like? D? It's for the D or something, don't they? Delgona. Delgona coffees. I'm... Listen. Coffees. Listen. What? I will say... The best part of working from home is that I can take the time in the morning to make one of those coffees... Because, holy crap, it's a game changer. Like, mm-hmm. I I would spend every every morning, maybe mid-afternoon, going to Tim Hortons and getting my usual ice cap because I'm a diehard fan. And I really like sugar and caffeine. Um, borderline diabetic, okay. <laughs> borderline <laughs> diabetic. <laughs> Honestly, at this point, I don't know how I don't have bodily disease. Anyways, and... 
the fact that I can now save money in making these whipped coffees at home, amazing, perfect, great. They taste phenomenal. Would I go back to doing that, like making the time or taking the time to make those coffees when I go back to work? Probably not, because I'm lazy and I like to wake up and get the hell out and go to work so I can come back home as soon as possible. But right now, it's a little treat. I wish I liked coffee because I'd like to try one, but I just really did taste this taste coffee. See, you got to start with the really, really sweet things and then you work your way into just regular coffee. I mean, that's how I did it. I've literally tried like three quarter like hot chocolate, half like quarter coffee mocha, like not even a mocha basically. I still can't do it. Oh my gosh. Well, I just can't. Fair enough. I mean, it's not for everybody. It's it's for the strong people. It's fine. It is what it is. <laughs> oh, I'm weak, bitchy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you said it, not me. Um, okay. I am distracting from the fact that, so as I mentioned, working from home, there's perks. There's also downsides where one downside has been... The fact that I have a very needy seven-year-old cat um, who really has been begging me to go outside, and which is fine, but it really sucks when you have a cat screaming at you when you're trying to have a phone call with a client who's not doing well, and they're like, do you have a cat in the background? And you're like, I'm so sorry. Please continue telling me about all the awful things that you're going through right now. It's, it's, I don't, yeah, I just, I, I love him, but I've been so annoyed. But then he does cute things, and it's like, ugh, why are like you sleep? So, like, sleep, but he'll, like, cuddle beside me at night, and I'm like, dude, why are you such a boy? Like, why are you such a typical... Do you let him, like, sleep by your head, like, purring yes. right beside your face? Yes. Oh, I can't do it. Can't do it. I'll lose by the feet, and that's where he stays. I mean... Once things get a little bit warmer, I'm sure that will change because he's a very furry floofster. But mm. right now, he's my baby boy when we go to bed because he'll just, like, snuggle in right beside me. Like, last night, he was, like, right beside my back, which is really cute. But, yeah, so I'm just distracting from, like, the fact that my cat has been very demanding with me this week. And I can't take it. <laughs> he's just a needy child. It's fine. And I feel bad for people who are listening, who are parents, and they're like, honey, you don't even know what we yeah, have. You're like, you're fucking cat. You got your kids. <laughs> it's a cat. Try having children, which I don't think I could after this animal. <laughs> Honest to God. Anyways. No, I definitely, like, totally feel for them. I watched my niece and nephew as being, like, part-time childcare for my sister because no daycare is cool. And yeah. it, it's been even two days, and I've been like, hmm, so about this. <laughs> So it's been busy. Yeah, watch the. So you sent our little snap group a uh, Snapchat of your ne- your nephew who was losing his shit because he was wanting a snack, and you're like a second snack. I, yeah. I gave him like, one, and he wanted a second snack, and he was crying. You're like, you just ate. We will eat again soon. He literally ate a snack, and we were gonna have lunch in an hour. He's losing his shit. That literally sounds like me, though. <laughs> I start getting cranky midday where I'm like, I've already eaten lunch, but I'm hungry. Get a little bit hangry. It's fine. Just got a snack once in a while. Exactly. Always always be packing the snacks. That's all we got to say. That's a weird distraction. Pro tip. Always pack snacks. Mm-hmm. Anyway, are you ready for some spooky, ooky, ooky shit? Bring it on. All right. So... 
we are actually going to be talking about two stories because the first story I picked, I was like, oh, this is going to be really good. And then I did all my research and I was like, oh, wait, it's really short. <laughs> and I was like, well, guess we can't do that. So I'm going to give all y'all weirdos a treat and cover two stories because I'm super generous and I felt really, really bad and guilty about just giving you a really short one again. So is the, the second one short too? Yes, they're both short. Okay. I mean, mind you, we're already like, what, 10 minutes into, almost 10 minutes into this. We might be here for two hours. Who knows? Buckle up, people. The first story I will be spewing to you is the Mackenzie House in Toronto. And I'm regretting saying spewing because I just... <laughs> Sorry. Um, all right. So Mackenzie House is essentially a historic building and now museum, which is located at 82 Bond Street in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Um, and it's referred to as Mackenzie House because it was actually the last home of William Lyon Mackenzie, which was Toronto's first mayor. So um, just focusing a little bit on Mackenzie, he was born on March 13th, 1795. So he's a birthday buddy with Christy. I say that's a great date, minus the year. <laughs> exactly. I was going to say, Christy was actually born on the exact same date. <laughs> Jealous. She's 225 years old. <laughs> JK. Um, and he was born in Scotland. Uh, he came over to Canada in 1820, and he'd be known for decades to come as a politician, a journalist, and a ghost, essentially, at some point. Uh, so he and his wife, Isabel, had 13 children in total, which just sounds painful. Busy. Financially, emotionally, spiritually, it just sounds... Physically. Physically. Financially, again, I don't know if I just said that, but financially. Uh, so they had three boys and ten girls, which altogether they only had six of the 13 who would actually survive to adulthood. Which is really sad. That's depressing, but yeah. But again, it was the, that period where it's like, well, we gotta have as many as we can, because you never know who's gonna make it. Um, also depressing, but facts. Uh, so their first daughter was actually born in 1823, uh, and she would actually later become the mother of our longest serving prime minister, William Lyon Mackenzie King. So as I previously mentioned, uh, Mackenzie was the first prime, uh, prime minister, was the first <laughs> mayor, I know Canadian politics, <laughs> he was the first mayor of Toronto, uh, and he was elected in March of 1834. And then by 1837, he led a rebellion to overthrow the British rule. So he was, he just wanted to shake things up a bit. He didn't want any more connectivity with the British, which like, I don't know. I guess that's, that's what people didn't want back then. I honestly, it was so long ago. I don't know. <laughs> um, history was not my favorite topic. So let's just. Yeah, I, I loved history, but do you think I remember? <sighs> mostly anything from history class in high school no I listened enough just to get the grades to pass to get out of course <laughs> fair enough that was like me in math <laughs> except for you were better in math and I just passed I just loved passed. it 
Uh, Mackenzie eventually would go to the U.S., but he would actually be exiled from there and forced back uh, to come to Canada. So he's like, you know what, screw it, because the riot didn't really pan over well. So he jumped from Canada, so from like the Toronto area, and then came to the U.S. I was trying to figure out what he did in the U.S., but honestly, I kind of got bored reading about it, and I was like, I don't know how to make this funny or interesting. So nothing important. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, no. Um, Excuse me. And so essentially goes to the U.S., gets exiled for probably doing some illegal or frowned upon shit, comes back to Canada, specifically back to Ontario. So it's 1850. He returns back. He has no money. He's flat broke, doesn't know what to do. Um, so actually, 82 Bond Street, that house was purchased by his friends and supporters in 18, um, like shortly after he came back, so in 18, or 1858. Some point between when he came back into Ontario and 1858. Anyways. Okay. <laughs> My notes are a little scattered. Anyways, um, so they move into the house once again wasn't bought by him which you know what fair enough i wish i had friends and supporters that bought me a house but like i feel like the economy was a lot different like hey back then you could probably buy a house for like a donkey and three shillings i don't fucking know yeah nowadays i'll never be able to afford a house by myself oh no no same i i I don't know how. Like, you live in a house. What are you talking about? I live in a house, but I can't afford it on my own. Like, groceries alone take up most of my bill. Mind you, I do shop as if I am a preteen with an unlimited credit card, which I don't know why I shop like that. But, alas, I do. So I shop like I'm the richest person in the world, and I'm not. I don't know what it is about grocery shopping, but all, all... All dollars are off off the table. Like, I will spend a stupid amount of money on snacks and then be like, oh, wait, I still need milk. And <laughs> meals. <laughs> actual food. And it's like, oh, shit, I guess. I guess we'll start I this week. To, it's fine. I guess I'm just living off Cosmic Brownies and popcorn for the rest of the week. <laughs> if you don't know what Cosmic Brownies are, please Google them and get your life together. <laughs> anyway, so um, Mackenzie actually only lived in the house for about two years. So from, okay, so he definitely, okay, sorry, backtrack. The house was bought in 1858. I don't know where him and his family lived between 1850 and 1858. I might wrote that down wrong, but he actually only lived in the house for two years from 1859 to 1861, which he actually passed away in 1861 due to a seizure on the second floor of the home. Keep that in mind. Okay. Everybody locked in. Locked in. Stellar. Um, so the neighboring row houses were actually demolished in 1936 while Mackenzie's grandson, once again, William Lyon Mackenzie King, was prime minister. So while he was in the office, they started making, they started knocking stuff down around his grandfather's home. So this house, uh, the A2 Bond Street, was actually saved because of the historical significance and in the 1940s was made into a museum. So this is where things get a little spooky, just a little interesting. So in 1960, a type of exorcism took place in the house and it's recorded uh, on, like it it was recorded on air for TV. 
making the museum an even bigger draw for, you know, fans of the supernatural, duh, is, like... You just love a good exorcist. <laughs> that's really candy for us. Like, if you're putting an exorcism on air... <laughs> I'd be invited. So, yeah. I want to stream it. Um, apparently, an archdeacon de- uh, was brought in to perform a blessing in the house and perhaps calm the restlessness that was kind of taking place there. When the home was transferred from the nonprofit group uh, kind of to the city of Toronto, one of the listed items in the inventory of the house contents was one ghost and then in brackets, exercised. <laughs> just one ghost comes to the property. It's fine. And that ghost is like, I can just imagine someone looking at it who isn't necessarily maybe in the paranormal. <laughs> they look at it, they're like, so is the, the ghost, ghost out? What? Yeah, like is the ghost in shape? Like it's exercise? <laughs> what? She thin. She thin. She bitch. So this would be only the second occurrence of ghosts being listed by official government document. Um, apparently, there's a plaque in Tor- on the Toronto Island, uh, which makes note of paranormal activity as well. Which we'll get to. It. The site includes. Uh, the original three-story brick, brick revival-themed uh, row house. Originally, it was the center of three. And it has a one-story addition, which uh, houses a narrow gallery space, a uh, recreated print shop, and a reception gift shop that was added by the city of Toronto in 1967. We're going to dive in a little bit more into the spooky stuff. So... Paranormal activity actually started happening before the quote-unquote exorcism in 1940, uh, when construction started happening around the home. So it's at this point, it wasn't a heck of a lot going on. It was more so just hearing like light footsteps, a little bit of eerie vibes of you know somebody else is in the room when you're in the room by yourself, but nothing super intense. It wasn't until the 1950s when live-in caretakers that worked um, at the McKenzie House, uh, called the Edmonds, started reporting a lot of really weird stuff happening. So things were kind of taking a little bit, or they're getting a little bit amped is what I'm trying to say. Uh, Mm -hmm. Mrs. Edmond reported that one night she was awoken by a soft touch on the shoulder. When she opened her eyes, Mrs. Edmund said that there was a lady bending over her, looking into her face. But a few seconds later, the lady vanished. Which, pause, I would piss my pants. Yeah, she'll look up and be like, what the fuck? And then she gone. I, so sidebar, I had a night terror the other night that literally freaked me the fuck out. So I was sleeping and I... So every night before bed, I watched The Simpsons when my boyfriend's not home in bed on my laptop. And so I, like, just probably fallen asleep because I think it was around, like, 11. Anyways, and I thought there was a man in my room, like, walking from where my boyfriend's closet is towards our bedroom door to go back out the hallway. I lit. Like, I woke up screaming. I woke up my cat, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> And, like, my first instinct was to call Tanner and be like, oh, my God, someone's in the house. But then, obviously, I was like, hey, this is a night terror. Like, not a big deal. So I couldn't handle someone, like, gently tapping me on the shoulder and looking up and to be someone I don't know. Yeah, like, if you think you see somebody versus someone in your face, you're like, that's completely, like, 100% more terrifying. Exactly. Exactly. 
So unfortunately for Mrs. Edmund, things would get a little bit more intense. So a couple weeks later, um, Mrs. Edmund would have to claim to happen again. So she was sleeping. She was in her bed, obviously. And, you know, touched lightly on the shoulder, woke up. There was this lady there. Apparently the lady drew back her hand and slapped Mrs. Edmund in the face before vanishing. And the reason why the reason why I'm laughing is just because I have a hard time picturing like this ghostly kind of see-through lady just like wink, like whooping back her hand and just like you know, like I, like, I can't did she feel a slap or like yeah, it she, was just she full on got bitch slapped by okay. a ghost. Yeah. A ghost. Can't write that down that that's ever happened, so <laughs> I wish no. <laughs> I'm good. Um, so Bruce Beaton, a historical interpreter at the Mackenzie House, said that while he has never encountered paranormal activity himself, um, he's heard stories of sp- spontaneous playing of the piano in the parlor. Mm. Musician on our hands. Exactly. Other things um, that are spooky ooky in the house include toilets flushing spontaneously and taps that are really turned on out of nowhere. Which that's annoying. Like, that's expensive water bill. Well, exactly. I was. That's literally like as I was doing these sounds. I'm like, do they not know how expensive that would be <laughs> for the water bill? Like, are you thinking of the environment at all? Not. Not. Um, there are also report instances of eerie figures that resemble both Mackenzie, his wife, and some of their children. In particular, when it comes to Mackenzie, an apparition of a small, bald man in a wig and frock coat uh, is often seen around the house, especially in the third and second floor bedrooms, which, if we remember, he died in the second floor. I don't know if the third floor had any significance, but... but he'd be hanging in where he died, of course. Exactly. Going back to where he died. Um, a woman with long hair has been sp- also been spotted on the second and third floor areas and cold spots and poltergeist activities such as footsteps and the printing press in the basement starting up have been supposedly reported by the staff and many of the tourists and that is a wrap on the Mackenzie house well, on to number two number two so the next one is also a Toronto spooky story this episode Shout out to Toronto. Um, love visiting you, but hate driving around you because traffic sucks. <laughs> Not for long. Um, so the next story is uh, the Gibraltar, Gibraltar uh, Point Lighthouse. So this is a lighthouse that is located on Toronto Island. Um, the construction began in 1808, and it's actually one of the oldest existing lighthouse on the Great Lakes and one of Toronto's oldest buildings. When the lighthouse opened originally, uh, it was accompanied by the lighthouse keeper's cottage, which was a square log house clad in a clapboard. Um, it was two stories, having two rooms on the first floor and sleeping space in the attic above, but I think this was eventually demolished just because, spoiler alert, uh, the lighthouse is deactivated, but we'll get to it. Oh, <laughs> the lighthouse is perhaps probably best known for the demise of its first keeper, German-born John Paul Rademuller, which for our, I believe, one or two German listeners, I'm sorry. <laughs> 
I'm so sorry. And it's quite a fun. It's kind of funny. It's kind of funny because I actually took intro to German uh, during my undergrad, and I only know how to say that is so not good, and that is good. Let me hear it. Das ist sehr nicht richtig. Oh, you fancy. I know. And das ist sehr richtig, which sounds awful. I, probably people, the, the one listener or two listeners we had in, Germ- or in Germany were, were like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I think I can count to 10, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> no, no he, John was actually murdered on site in 1815. So as mentioned, he was the first uh, lighthouse keeper and he was appointed said role on July 14th, 1809. Uh, He was born in Germany approximately in 1763, but unfortunately there's not a heck of a lot of background information on him. So it's kind of a little tricky to figure that out. I can't tell you what his astrological sign is, which is really depressing. So for all we know, this could have been a Scorpio. Darn. Darn. So the story goes that on the evening of January 2nd, 1815, some off-duty soldiers from Fort York paid Rademuller a visit for his bootlegged beer, sold to supplement his modest income. You do you. You got to get that money. I understand. A dispute apparently broke out between John and the soldiers. Things quickly escalated, and one thing led to another, and John was killed. The drunken soldiers, anxious to hide their crime, obviously, dismembered the corpse and concealed his remains near the lighthouse. Which, no. (laughs) Just, if you're going to kill somebody, and you're going to dismember the body, don't put the body parts where they are typically known to roam. I'm just saying, I'm not telling you to dismember bodies... But if you have to... Find better hiding spots. Find better hiding spots. That's, that's a weird distraction tip. Tip number two of the day of this episode. Um, apparently there's conflict with the story, which as soon as I read it, I was like, oh, come on. That's so juicy, though. The whole trouble with the story is that apparently the body wasn't hacked to pieces and hidden. Apparently it was actually buried somewhere. Uh, so evidence suggests that John's body was not mutilated and was actually found... Uh, by the fourth lighthouse keeper, George Durnham, which they, like, I kind of wonder how much investigation kind of went to it, because if they hired three other lighthouse keepers after him, like, did they look for the body? Did they did they just say, well, I guess John's not coming back to work, so uh, let's go on Indeed, or whatever the 1815 version of Indeed was, and let's find somebody. Some postings up in town or something. Send word by pigeon mail. I don't know. And I feel bad for the John guy, but definitely getting hacked up is a much better story than you just go buried. It's just a little, it's just a little bit juicy. Like, we're not about... We're not about mutilation, but like, I wouldn't say no to the story. No, exactly. Exactly. So George shared that while he and his uncle um, actually discovered the body, or sorry, discovered bone fragments, most notably a jawbone, and fragments of a coffin 500 feet west of the lighthouse, uh, which he believes they belong to the late John Rattlemuller. But research, research still shows that Rattlemuller was, in fact, murdered. So no matter what, unfortunately, John was murdered. How and how exactly it went down, we don't actually know. Um, the two soldiers were charged for murdering him. However, they were acquitted. Mm. To this day, not 100% sure what happened, what went down, 
But it is faux shizzle that, unfortunately, John Rademuller was murdered. And with that being said, the lighthouse itself was actually deactivated in 1956. So, they do, like, there is still a lighthouse keeper today who I think just, like, goes and checks in on the actual uh, building itself. But... I squatters. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. So, like, someone's taking care of it, but it's not active. Mm-hmm. Gotcha, So, the ghost stuff. Um, apparently, near the lighthouse, people claim that you might hear a man's voice kind of just in and out, just, like, kind of whispers of, like, a man talking, but you can't really hear what exactly. Um, people also feel like they can hear uh, footsteps walking up the old lighthouse, even if there's no one there, or seeing a light shining up top, even when the lantern hasn't been lit for some time. This one, I don't really, I have a hard time with this one, believing it. So sometimes you might find what appears to be fresh blood spilled on the old wooden stairs of the lighthouse. However, it disappears moments later, which I don't know. I... I don't know. Is it real? Are they hallucinating? Mm. Well, that's the thing, right? And, like, mind is a dangerous, crazy thing. So, like, if you already know about the story, do you feel like it could be something that people could just imagine themselves to yeah, they could trick themselves into seeing it and be like, I saw something when really was something there. Right. And, like, you know, like, the stairs are wooden. They could be stained with a bunch of other stuff. Um, mm. Because, like, you can tour the lighthouse, I believe. I don't know if it's, act- I mean, obviously it's not active right now because thanks COVID, but um i think at some point they were allowing tours so Mm. you gotta wonder if like people spilt their pop or whatever you know like just i don't know i I yeah just things that like things to go along with the story to make you think that's real but not right um people have also seen a figure wandering the paths around the lighthouse Uh, apparently this figure appears bloodied and beaten with his arms missing so, like, that's alarming. Get it? Arms, miss- arms missing. Alarming. Oh, stop. <laughs> I hate it, but I love it. Um, hunting team out of the Durham region in Ontario called Paranormal Seekers apparently went to the lighthouse in June of 2018 to do an investigation. Using a spirit box, they were able to pick up responses with an unknown presence, mostly saying, like, responding to their questions and kind of saying, su- saying things such as, like, help what yep captain and more it it, based on what i've read it seemed like it was pretty intelligent which essentially means like it was able to for the most part respond directly with what they were asking Mm -hmm. not saying that if it didn't it was unintelligent but that's just what ghost hunters seem to use as lingo don't at me i don't know (laughs) trying to fit in a message of a man saying, don't go, was also heard as the crew was making their way out of the lighthouse, which, like... He's lonely. Lonely. Um, the paranormal, paranormal seekers also noted shadows and felt different movements, movements beside them. I think one of them actually felt something near their foot, and the other one saw, like, a shadow. And it wasn't, like, a typical shadow of, like, a rat or a mouse just, like, running by. It was more so... As if, like, some, like an actual human. Or something. Yeah, like, a was walking by. Um, they also noticed other shadows around the building and in the building. And used their Ovulus 3 device. So, the Ovulus 3 is a paranormal device designed to deliver spoken messages from other dimensions using several sensors. 
um, several sensor environmental reads uh, in which the paranormal seekers received messages from the ovulus saying Johnny when the crew was exploring outside. So kind of going to the ovulus again, it's kind of cool because essentially, I think if I'm thinking of it correctly, you can type in your question like who is with me right now and it will this a spirit can pick up on the energy and the environment and actually respond directly using the device, almost like a text message sort of thing. So you get a message back to the device? Not like Yeah. Okay. And it'll say it out loud as well, which is kind of cool. Hmm. I've seen it on Ghost Adventures a couple times, so next present you want. <laughs> yeah. My next my next birthday gift request. And that is it for the lighthouse. The Gibraltar Lighthouse. So, I will give my resources for both. So y'all know I didn't just make this crap up. They're interesting, but they're both really short. Like, I thought I was going to be diving into a bunch of, like, intense stuff, but... Yeah, it's about the... What is it? Mayor? First mayor? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was like, I can't remember if said mayor, mayor or prime minister. I think that was wrong the first time. But yeah. <laughs> the first mayor. Yeah, like, that was that one. He was just him around. And then the next one was just this guy roaming around. Right, and spooky, but still. Yeah, like they both died on site, so like fair enough. But like I kind of when I was doing the Mackenzie house, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so um, interesting because I typed in. I think I literally googled like haunted places in Toronto because I did kind of want to focus a little bit on Toronto um, for this episode, and that was the Mm -hmm. first one that came up. So I'm like, sick! Like there's gonna be so much information. And unfortunately, there wasn't. So I mean, this could be a place that once the COVID is gone. And I'm speaking of it as, like, it's an unwanted person in a room. Once the COVID leaves, we can go and check it out. Mm-hmm. Do a little tear. Exactly. So, my resources, shockingly enough, Wikipedia. As always. I, as always. I also, um, I used the article, Mackenzie House, Could This Be Toronto's Most Haunted Home? by uh, Melanie Zettler for Global News. Uh, visited, visited Haunted Places website. Um, 1812 and all that website, uh, Toronto article, the spookle story, no, the spooky story behind the Gibraltar Point Lighthouse by Aaron Sylvester and, of course, the Paranormal Seekers website. So, Christy, without further ado, can you tell these lovely weirdos where they can find us and where they can contact us? Yeah, you guys can find us on a number of platforms, so you can get us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Google Podcast, Breaker, Radio Public, Overcast, and Pocket Casts. You can email us any suggestions or any feedback or anything you want to tell us in general to our email at weirddistractionspodcast at outlook.com. You can tweet us on Twitter at weirddistracti1. That's at weirddistracti1. And you can hit us up on our Insta page. That is at weirddistractionspod. Hit us up. Let us know what you think. Um, we also would ask that if you like the show want to give us a couple stars on apple Podcasts? that'd be stellar you don't have to tell us excruciating details about why you like the show you can literally just say thanks for distracting me from my shitty breakup and we'd be like cool we're sorry to hear about that but cool thank you <laughs> um and yeah just tell us what you think and if you have story recommendations please 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 send them to us um We'd love to cover any stories that you want to hear. We're here for a good time. A long long time. time. Maybe a little bit long time. (laughs) So we thank everyone that has listened so far and everyone that has given us the feedback that they have. 
And I think that's it. You can always find distraction in the busiest of times if one simply looks for the weird. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. Greetings. Welcome to Curious Nixons, where we lead you through the darkness. We'll be discussing all things sinister and disturbing. If you're interested in hearing about true crime, the paranormal, witchy, and downright weird stuff, then you're in the right place. We'll We'll see see you on the other side. side.